welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Put your hand over your heart. If you're a guest with us, we do this not to say the Pledge of Allegiance, although I want to say thank God for the 1.4 million plus people who have given their lives so that we can have freedom in the United States of America. Amen. We just honor today. All of you who have served in our country that were veterans. My son of choice, Garrett, who was a Navy SEAL. And uh, Garrett, on one of your first deployments, I mean, wasn't it one of your first ones that y'all went up into his first mission? Come up here, run up here real quick. Hey, this is family day. Would y'all give our, would y'all give our resident Navy SEAL a big hand? Garrett, Garrett joined the Navy SEALs so he could lead our men at our church. So if you're not quite up to it, it's okay. You can ring the bell. But, but no, seriously, we're so honored to have you. But in your first mission, I know you don't talk just a lot about stuff like this, but just, just give us a synopsis of what happened. Uh, first mission, we were put in a position to do something that we knew was going to be extremely dangerous. Uh, leadership was telling us how we had to do it, and, and we didn't have a choice. We had to go save uh, 50 people who were surrounded in the middle of a civil war. This is 2012 Africa. Um, first mission, uh, the aircraft that I was in received over 300 rounds. Uh, three of my friends got shot. One of my friends lost his leg. Um, but we ended up accomplishing that mission, and everyone got out of there alive. Yeah, and so they, th- this, the reason I mentioned that all, all missions can't be talked about, but this one made uh, worldwide news because it was an Osprey aircraft. And it's the first time those aircraft had ever been shot. First time. And, uh, and so literally you were sitting next to, was it next to your friend that the bullets came up? Oh yeah, his? I mean, I had every single, I mean, three guys ended up getting shot, but I, the way I explain it to people is put a dozen guys inside a metal storage container and shoot 300 rounds through it and don't kill anybody. That didn't just happen in my aircraft, that happened in the other, we had three aircraft that day and nobody died. Uh, so that happened three times. Yeah. So, so here's what I want to say. I just want to honor, and it makes me emotional, but I just want to honor everybody who has served in our country. Thank you for your sacrifice. The fact that anybody who goes to a foreign land and fights, listen, it's underappreciated. Yes. It's underappreciated sometimes at the highest levels of our own government. It's underappreciated the price that's paid by men who put their life on the line all over the country, not just to preserve freedom in America, but to go rescue people who would never be rescued themselves. And so on this day, we give honor where honor is due. Thank you to all of you who've served. Thank you, Garrett, for your sacrifice. So glad, I'm glad you came home. Amen. Woo! All right. Put your hand over your heart. Let's just say this together. But anyway, we're not just saying a Pledge of Allegiance. We're speaking from our heart. And these are, what, these are the things that we declare. Your life is going to follow your mouth. That's why we start every service this way. I declare that I'm created in the image of God. I am blessed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and take dominion. I declare that 2021 is my year of possible. Things that have been impossible in my past are being overtaken by what is possible in my future. Put an amen on that. I declare that 2021 is a year of divine conjunction where God has been and is working all things together 
from my past and present for my future good. I declare that according to Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I declare this year, 2021, with God, come on y'all, all things are possible. And lastly, I declare that as I am taught the word of God and apply it, that I am wonderfully well and blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Amen, amen. So turn to somebody and say, you're looking good, glad you're here. And we are glad you're here. Thank you so much. And uh, we've been talking about in this series, Hall of Fame, about God's Hall of Fame in Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and how these wonderful, precious people who now are known through the word of God throughout history because of one thing their faith. And I want to say something to everybody here. So kind of right in the beginning, just lean in with me a little bit. You have a superpower. In fact, you have different kinds of superpowers. I, I, like, to, I like to say it this way. You have a fingerprint that nobody else has to leave an imprint that nobody else can leave. So part of your superpower is hidden in the DNA of who you are, that you have a 1% that nobody else has. 99% of our DNA is all the same. There's only a 1% difference that makes you different than everybody, which is your X factor for success. It's your secret superpower. But one of those superpowers that we have, and when I say superpower, it's given us by God. The Bible says that to every man is given a measure of faith. So everybody has a measure of faith. And then it's up to you to, to increase or to develop your faith. In fact, Jesus' own disciples one time said, Lord, increase our faith, like increase our faith. Well, it's not God's job to increase your faith. It's your job to increase your faith in God. So again, let's talk a little bit about faith because I want, I want to uh, end this series by talking about Hall of Fame faith and, and, and how to have that kind of faith, how to really activate your superpower that you have. So let's take a look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verses one through three in the New Living Translation. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. So let's stop right there. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Why? You have to understand what faith is. Faith is not just belief. A lot of people believe in God, but they don't really serve God. They don't obey God. I like to say it like this. Your faith plus your obedience equals possible. In other words, in this year of possible, it's gonna be your faith plus your obedience that makes the impossible possible. So it's important for us to understand if faith shows the reality of what we hope, understand how important your hope is. But before we get to hope, let's talk about what faith is. Faith is not just belief, but faith is belief and then the action that you take based on that belief. It doesn't become faith because you believe it. So the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. God doesn't care, really hear me. God doesn't care that you believe in him. Your belief won't help you. It's the belief that you take action on that will help you. So that's, that's why, again, the Bible says in the New Living Translation that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. And so my question to you is, what are you hoping for? What are you hoping for? 
Let me tell you something about the devil who is your enemy. He's a thief. He comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that Jesus came that you might have life and life more abundantly. But let me tell you something about your enemy. Your enemy doesn't care what you believe. He cares about what you take action on. And so what happens in people's lives is they say, I believe this and I believe that. And, and it's always funny because I coach people and we, we coach people at very high levels beyond this church. That's what I do in my other job. And in that job, I, somebody can say, hey, here's what I believe and I believe this and I believe that. And there's just one question. I call it the effectiveness question. How's that working for you? Like, it doesn't matter what you believe. Somebody say, I believe this, and I believe that, and I believe this, and I believe that. Just one question. How's that working? Well, then why do you believe it? You see, at the point that your belief won't work is two things. Number one, the belief that you don't take action on. But secondly, listen now, it's a belief that you just say that you believe, but yet it's a belief that limits you. It's a belief that limits you. So all of us have unlimited beliefs and limiting beliefs. And I would just encourage you to challenge your own limiting beliefs because faith is my belief, faith is your belief that I take action on that produces the results that I'm hoping for. So the devil, the enemy of your soul, wants to steal your hope. Hope is the axis between faith and love. So if the devil is able to cause you to feel hopeless, which I've already got my hand raised because I know the question I'm about to ask. But if you're here and you've ever felt some kind of hopelessness in your life, raise your hand, okay? So, so understand this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, which is called the love chapter, but really it's a misnomer because before love happens in a marriage, before love happens in a relationship, before love happens in the world, here's, here's the progression of the Bible. Now abideth faith, what's next? Hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. So everybody focuses on love, or they should, right? Because God is love. But they don't realize that love only happens by faith, and it's attached umbilically to the hope that I have for the future that I can only see. Whatever future you're going to have can either just happen to you or happen for you. It can happen by default or it can happen by design. But based on what you're hoping for, now watch this, your faith is gonna determine whether what you hope for is actualized in love. Why is love so important? Love is so important, not only because it covers a multitude of sin, but the truth is the number one thing that's in God's heart that's more important than anything else, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we struggle with love because we struggle with faith. And we struggle with faith because we believe, but we don't take action on our belief. And we struggle with hope because our faith is just in our belief, not solidified or becomes reality by the actions that we take. Are you with me? So it's important that we understand this. So the, our faith shows the reality of what we hope for. 
It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Why? It's evident of things that I cannot see because I'm taking action on it as if it were going to happen. Through their faith, this is what the Bible says, this is why this is called the hall of fame of faith or the hall of fame of God. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, everybody say by faith. By faith, we understand, we put under what we're standing on, that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Now listen to this next thing, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So everything that we see now came from what can't be seen. Everything in your future that you can't see right now is not gonna come from anything that you see right now. It's gonna come from your hope for your future, your faith, that's your belief that you take action on that manifests in your future because of your hope, because of your faith, because of your dreams. So the enemy of your soul, the devil himself, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What does he come to kill, steal, and destroy? Any hope that you would ever have of the future or that things right now would ever get any better. So we live in a world that is desperate for hope. That's why everybody loves my friend Joel Osteen. He's gonna give you hope. He's gonna give you hope. I'm gonna give you leadership that'll help lead your life, but he'll give you hope. So you need both of us. It's the truth, you need both of us. And the fact is, is that it's one thing to feel hope. It's another thing to be able to lead yourself by your faith so that hope is not deferred. The Bible says hope that's deferred or that doesn't happen makes the heart sick. There's a whole lot of people who are sick. They're actually not sick physically. They're sick in their heart because they've lost the ability to believe that any dream that they could dream can happen. Can I give you some great news? Whatever dream you have can happen. I said, whatever dream you have can happen. Whatever, whatever you see for your future can be possible. It's up to your faith. So our faith that pleases God is I say, here's what I believe. Here's what I'm taking action on. And as I align my beliefs and the actions that I take with the word of God, God says, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I'm gonna make my kingdom happen in you and through you because of your faith. Come on, give God a hand. So 1 John 5 says this, for every child of God, Everybody say this out loud. Say, that's me. Now, again, whether you, whether you believe in God, whether you are taking action based on that belief and living your life according to biblical principles or not, you're a child of God. Your mom and daddy may have thought they decided that you came to the earth. God just used them. They may have wanted you or they may not have wanted you. Can I tell you something? While that's hurtful, the bottom line is God decided that you were going to be here. God decided that. So for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory, watch this now, through our faith. How many of you wanna win in life? Come on, how many of you wanna win in life? So, so all of us do, we would say that, but here's what happens. And I want, I'm gonna take a coaching moment here 
And I'm going to ask you to let me kind of take my pastor hat off for a minute and coach you for a minute. Would that be all right with everybody? Come on, just, just give me a minute. Give me a minute, and then I'll go back to be pastoral. Okay? But I want to coach you. I want to help you in this moment. So, how many of you want to really win in life? I want to ask that question again. Okay. So, if you want to win, if I'm in marriage, I want to win. Now, I don't want, I don't want me to be right and her to be wrong. That's not winning. That's losing. But I want to win in my marriage. I want to win in business. I want to win in finances. I want to win in life. That requires a winning belief system. Not just a winning belief, but a winning belief system. Now, I don't have time to go into all that, but I just want, I want you to see two columns. I want you to see a win column and a loss column. How many of you were ever athletes? Let me see your hands. Now, if you weren't an athlete, you may not understand winning and losing as much, but you know that if you watch an athletic event, there's a winner and there's a loser, and nobody's satisfied with a tie. Right? So, so there's winning and there's losing. Now, everybody here pretty much raised your hand and said, I want to win in life. If you raised your hand a minute ago, that puts a demand on you. You can't just say, I want to win and then hope everybody does something for you. If you want to win in life, I want you to see this. So win, lose, next line, controllables, uncontrollables. If I want to win in life, here's what I've got to do. I've got to focus my belief and the actions that I take on what I can control rather than what I can't control. So many people go through life and what happens is they get focused on what they can't control and you're already on the losing side of life. I'm gonna come back to that. So let's go to the next line. So the first line is winning and losing. Second line is controllables, uncontrollables. Third line and last line I'm gonna give you and then we're gonna go back is I can and I can't. So anybody that gets to the point in their life where they say, I can't, it's because they're focused on the uncontrollables. And so we default to an I can't mentality. I was in a restaurant last night and I asked the waiter, I said, they brought me what I call a girl glass, Steve, for water. A girl glass is a little glass of water that you drink. And so I asked the waiter, I said, hey, do you have any bigger glasses for water? Do you have a bigger glass? Because I drink a lot. And the waiter said, no, these are our water glasses. You're always going to deal with no people. You're always going to deal with people that say, I can't do it. Because these are the water glasses. So I was with a group of people, I go, y'all excuse me for a minute. So I walked away from the table and there were three manager type people that were huddled together. And I said, which one of you is the decision maker? They all looked at each other. And finally the decision maker said, I can make a decision. I said, good, then you're the guy I'd like to talk to. Now, again, whether you realize it or not, I'm kind of known in this city from different places. So I try to carry myself in such a way as to not to totally offend everyone that I meet <laughs> with my wonderful, pleasing personality. So I said, well, I'm not trying to get your waiter in trouble at all. Just know I asked for a larger water glass and he told me 
uh, these are the water glasses. And so he looked at me and he says, well, those are our water glasses. <laughs> and I said, but I would like a bigger glass for my water because I drink a lot. He goes, I can make that happen. I just wanted to go, that is amazing. I want you to watch where people's mentalities are. Oh, that's the water glass. Oh, that's my marriage. Oh, that's how that church is. Oh, that's how those people are. Oh, that's how this is because of their very myopic view that water is supposed to go in that glass. I'm not sure who taught them that, but in my coaching moment with this manager, I said, I just want to encourage you to free your waiters and waitresses that if a customer asks for a larger water glass, that you just make that an easy thing and go, yes, I'll get you a bigger glass. It's just so easy. Craig, you agree with that? It's, it's, just so, it's just so easy, right? It's like a little shift in a paradigm of it's, well, marriage is supposed to be this way. A husband's supposed to be this way. A wife's supposed to be this way. A boss is supposed to be this way. A client is supposed to be this way. And God says, there's a bigger glass. So I prayed for somebody today in between services. And I said, the, the Lord has a word for you. And this precious lady just tears streaming at her face. And I said, here's the word. Your job is not to fill their cup. Your job is to empty your own. See, most of us get our meaning and purpose and our significance from we think we are supposed to fill other people's cup. No, you're just supposed to empty your own. Keep making your cup bigger. Keep making the cup a pitcher. Keep making the pitcher uh, a well. Keep making the well a lake. Keep making the lake an ocean. And let's practice generosity and pouring out what it is that the world needs right now. Amen? That's why your faith is so important. So with that said, for every child of God defeats this evil world and we actually achieve this victory, you become a winner by your faith. From this point forward, I'm gonna give you an impossible assignment that without God, this is impossible. But from this point forward, everybody just stretch your hands out this way. From this point forward, I just challenge you to never be a person that says, I can't do it. Be an I can person. I can make that happen. Not that's not my job. That's what you're supposed to know. I can do it. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. Amen. I'm just trying to help you. So, so how do we achieve victory? How do we become a winner through our faith? Watch this now. And who can, who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Here's the big thought for our message. Same thought from last week. How you think, how you think. And by the way, let me pause. Who taught you to think like you think? While well, I was in the military for 25 years, God bless you. But guess what? God's not looking for a military thinker. He's looking for somebody that brings the kingdom into the military. Who taught you to think like you think? Well, my dad was, no, listen. How you think, how you be, how you do will determine what God can do for you, in you, and through you. So again, we call this philosophy of life. Everybody has a philosophy of life. It's either by default or by design. It starts with how you think, how you be as a person, and what you decide to do in your life. That will determine what God can do in you, 
for you and through your life. So I just wanna give you one thought today and then we're through. And here's the thought, and it relates to your thinking. I wanna challenge you to think Excel. It's a biblical word. It literally means to superabound, to be in excess, to be superfluous. Well, that's a word we use every day. To cause to superabound, not just to abound, but to superabound. Or this is where we get the word superabundantly from. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the, help me now, power that works in us. So God is able to work in me and through me and for me, watch this now, not because he's not an exceedingly abundantly able God, but it's according to how I think, how I be, how I do. So that's what we have to continually humble ourselves in, our thinking, our being, our ways of doing things. So 2 Corinthians 8 verse 7 says this in the Amplified Bible. But just as you excel in everything, let me pause that. Why in the world would the Bible say that? Because God's desire for you is that you excel in everything. Did you hear all those amens? It must have been from heaven. <laughs> I said God's desire for you is to excel at everything. His desire for you is not to be mediocre. His desire for you is not to be average. His desire for you is not just to do enough that you get by. His, average, his, his desire for you is not that you just be average. It's about your foreign no more. God's desire for you is that you excel in everything that you superabound in every area of your life. So let's look at what the scripture says. So as you excel in everything and lead the way in, say it. Lead the way in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in genuine concern, and in your love for us. See that you excel in this gracious work of giving also. So let's take a look at this. God has called you to excel in everything. He's called you to excel, first of all, in your faith. What you believe that you decide to take action on, watch this now, based on the future that you see for yourself. What do you see for yourself in your future? By the way, nobody in your life is ever gonna see more for you than you can see for yourself. Your husband's not, your parents aren't. What do you see for your future? You've got to attach your belief and what you're taking action on based on what you're hoping for in your future. Now abides faith, hope, and love, and love. So, so our faith is what we believe and what we take action on, as I've said. Now I've written this for myself and I hope it speaks to you. Anything that increases into something big started as something small. Faith is taking action with your less so God can increase your more. I hope that helps you because anything that increases into something big started small. But your faith is taking action with your less, whatever you have right now, so that God can increase your more. With man, things are impossible. Y'all help me, that's only half of the verse. With God, come on. All things are possible. All what, what, what are all things? All things that you decide. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What do you mean all things? All things that I decide. 
So if I say again, back to winning, if I say I want to win, if I say I want to be great, if I say I want to have a great marriage, by the way, you're not going to have a great marriage if you're not great. If I say I want to have a great business, you're going to have a great business if you're not great. If I say I want to have, be in a great financial position, you're not going to have great finances if you're not great. So everything starts with what you want, with what you desire for your life and the picture that you have of your future. You see, your vision is very unique. It's unique to you. So if, if, if you're in a marriage, usually there's one person that has a vision. It's not necessarily that both people do, but that's great if both people do. This is what core values do for you, by the way. When you do your core values together, which I talk about in my book in chapter five, Your Divine Fingerprint, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to get it just for chapter five. So you can decide together as a couple, here's what matters most to us now, based on what matters most to us, what's our vision for the future? Most people never decide what matters most to them, so they don't even know what kind of future they can have. They just hope the future is good. Hope does not work without faith. And love does not work without faith and hope. So again, God has called you to excel in everything. He says, because as you excel in everything, or but just as you excel in everything and lead the way in faith, don't stop there, but in your speech. Lead your speech. Excel in your speech. Don't allow the things that come out of your mouth just to come out of your mouth. Be intentional about what comes out of your mouth. Because as I said in the very beginning, why we do declarations at this church and why we have for over 21 years is because your life is gonna follow your mouth. The father of our faith, Abraham, you can read about it in Romans, the fourth chapter. By the way, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, Abraham is spoken of 10 times. He's the father of our faith. So what did he do? I love the, um, the old movie, uh, Pursuit of Happiness. It was based on the life of John uh, Gardner that Will Smith played the character. And I love the scene where, some of you might remember this movie, but where a guy pulls up, he's on Wall Street because that was his dream and he was poor, broke, no way to do it. And a guy drives up in a Ferrari and he gets out of the car, he's headed up the steps and Will Smith says, I wanna know what you did to get that. That's smart, by the way. If you see a picture, if you have a vision for yourself, it doesn't matter about what it is. The best thing you can do is try to find out what that person did to achieve their dream. Don't be jealous about it. Don't criticize it. Don't be intimidated by it. See, that's small thinking people. They look at somebody that's achieved any level of greatness and it makes them feel bad about what they're not. And rather than allowing somebody's greatness to elevate their own greatness, then what happens is they're jealous, they're intimidated, they're envious, they're offended. Don't be offended by other people's greatness because that's not the way you would act. Especially if you're sitting in a place that they built. And a lot of people never get that. The closest some people ever come to greatness is only to criticize it and they never become the beneficiary of it. I would encourage you from here to four, be somebody that says, you know what? If I, if I see somebody that has some greatness, I'm gonna just honor the greatness that's in them because that might be the glory of God that he wants to put in your own life because you got to be in their presence. So in, in just having that thought process. So in your speech, here's what I've always said. You have to say what you hear so you can see what you say. The Bible says faith comes by, come on y'all, faith comes by 
hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why we need to come to the house of God. That's why we need to be taught the word of God. That's why we need to read the word of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and then hearing by the word of God. Now watch this. Once I know the word of God, I can attach my belief to the word of God for my life. And then I can take action based on that. And then whatever dream or vision I have has a chance to come to pass. Because with me, it might be impossible. But I want to say it for about the fifth time with God. Come on, y'all. All things are possible, okay? So in understanding that our speech is so important, what we say that comes out of our mouth is so important. So quick story. I'm 16, Sheila's 15. We're walking on the beaches in Destin, Florida. I was 15 uh, the year before I was 16. (laughs) And I'm sitting in my room in Dallas and my dad who had retired as a police officer comes in and he says, hey, we're moving to, to New Orleans, Louisiana. And I won't go into the whole story, but I was very sad about that. And yet God was trying to take me out of a place where I'd been for 15 years and show me a different world and show me my future. And so one year later, I've got a girlfriend who's sitting right on this front row, 355, I'm sorry, 545 months later. But back then, we'd only been together for a short time. And my family moved to New Orleans, which was only four hours from Destin, Florida. Now, if you grew up in Texas, some of you Texans will know Galveston is okay. (laughs) Corpus Christi's okay. But once you go see the Emerald Coast, it's like we say, bye Galveston, bye Corpus Christi. Y'all are fun, but we're going to Florida. So we're only four hours away. So Sheila and I, I'm 16, she's 15. We're walking on that beach. And I said, Someday, I'm gonna have me a house down here. She goes, oh, okay. Yeah, I said, no, no, I really am. 40 years later, I built me a house down there. It took me 40 years, but I want you to hear this. I'm not bragging, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm saying what comes out of your mouth may take 40 years to happen, but keep speaking it out of your mouth. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the future is that you see for yourself, all right? Because guess what? At 16, I didn't have a job. And I'm going, someday I'm gonna build me a house down here. Better get you a job, that's what she wanted to say. You better, you, better, you better grow up. Can I tell you something? You can dream there and it'll make you level up there. Like that's what I want, that's the marriage I want, that's the, that's the life I want, that's the business I want. And once you want it, and once you understand it puts a demand on your own greatness to get up to that that you want. Ace, I see you're here, you're, uh, is Ace, how old's Ace now, is he 13? 13, so, so when I was, when I was, um, when I was 13, just about to turn 14, I couldn't hardly walk and chew gum at the same time. I mean, my, when I became 14, I wore a size 14 shoe and my body hadn't caught up with my feet yet, man. It was like, it was like, I was like, well, well there. And, and my mother, back then there was no Nordstrom's where you could get a 14. I mean, we couldn't find 14 at a Sears or a Gibson's. Some of y'all might remember. It was like, we couldn't find me shoes. And so anyway, I'm thinking in my mind, Ace, I'm thinking in my mind, I'm gonna be a basketball player someday. I'm gonna get me a college basketball scholarship. I'm telling you, I was the most uncoordinated 
It's like, oh my goodness, but I've been working. I've been like, nobody knew. Like I'm working, I'm, I'm working on my own. Like I'm working on my dribbles. I'm working on all this stuff. When I'm 15, I told my parents, I told my teammates, I'm gonna get me a college basketball scholarship. It's like, it's like I'm speaking, watch, I'm speaking those things. And as I spoke those things, it put a demand on me to think, be, and do what I was dreaming about. Some people never understand, I'm gonna say this, the magic of this. You say, it's, it's like magic. No, it's, it's not, really not magic. You know what it is? It's God's purpose and it's God's way. But it seems like magic when it happens. Like, wow, how did that happen? I'll tell you how it, how, how, how it happened. I started thinking that way. Watch that. I started speaking that way. I put my faith and my speech to that. And then here's the third thing. The Bible says, excel in your knowledge. In your knowledge. Wow. Excel in your knowledge. Excel in your knowledge. Why? Whatever you're dreaming about, you got to level up in your area of knowledge. Excel in your knowledge. Because here's a fact I want to tell you about knowledge. You don't know what you don't know. In fact, the highest level of incompetence is that you don't know what you don't know. You start to mature and get competent when you know you don't know. But then the highest level of competence is when I know I can learn more. I know I can think better. I know I can be better. I know I can do better. And once I know that I can be better, that I can do better, and greater is he that's in me. Again, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's why your faith is a superpower. Because once you start thinking like this, being like this, doing like this, God says, I'm going to do what you can't do. But watch this. Here's how it works. Excel in everything. Start with your faith, then your speech, then your knowledge. And this is the big one. Oh, this is the one. Excel in your genuine concern. I want to stop right here and ask you a question. What are you concerned about right now? I don't want you to answer the question. I just want you to think about the question. What, what is it that's most concerning? It's a genuine concern for you right now. Let me ask you a second question. Back to win, lose, controllable, uncontrollable. I can't, I can't. What I, what I told you as we started this message is what you're genuinely concerned about, a controllable or an uncontrollable? So God says, I want you to excel in your genuine concern. If it's something you can't control, Shift your focus and be genuinely concerned about what you can control. So I say it like this. Decide to be a person that's going to make what's important to God important to you and be genuinely concerned about that. Here's most Christians. Our churches are full of them. I've been doing this for a long time, y'all. That's, what, that's, what, that's the differentiator in our church. We're a leadership culture. It's in just a church where you're just going to hear about Jesus and you're just going to hear about the Holy Spirit. You're going to hear about, you know, good things of the word of God. No, we're actually going to put tools in your hand, shifts in your mind that you can say, you know what? I can win in life. And here's the tools that I can use to do that. So listen very carefully. We're not saying we're better than any other church. I'm just saying we are different. And it's different because we want there to be tools in your hand that actually make your life work. And you go not from glory to glory up and down, but from glory to glory. 
All right? So with that thought process, here's where most believers are. Most believers, not some, but most, are trying to get God to be concerned about what they're concerned about. God, I need you to help me. God, I need you to heal me. God, I need you to do this miracle. God, I need you to do this. And you know what God would like? Not to have to always be concerned about what you're concerned about, but for you to make your genuine concern what he's concerned about. Hmm. Wow. Wow. And it's a shift. Like we want to see God sometimes, Barbara, like a genie in a bottle. You know, we, we want to see God like, do I have three wishes today? Because here's what I'd like you to do. And all God wants you to understand is, if you'll delight yourself in me, the Bible says, I will give you the desires of your heart. If you'll get your focus on me and what you can control about you and your faith and the belief that you have, and then take action on that belief, then here's what's going to happen. You're going to get on the win column side of life. You'll become an I can do person, not a I can't do that person. It's very powerful. You hear all those those claps? Those are people that are going, I'm getting it. Like, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Hey, so here's our exercise. What are you genuinely concerned about? Second question, is it something you can control or is it something you can't control? So everybody lift up your hands right now. So Lord, as we lift our hands to you, whatever we're genuinely concerned about that we can't control, let it go out of our fingertips and go up to you. Just see that happening right now. I relinquish my genuine concern that's in the uncontrollable. I give it to you, God. Do you know that 95% of all disease is stress-related? We stress over stuff. We worry about stuff. Studies on worry have proven that 95, 98% of what you worry about will never happen. Why? Because you're worried about something you can't control. God said, give me something to work with, your faith, that you'll just do your part and do what you can control. And hey, I'm God, I'm your father. I created you, I've got a great plan for you and I'm gonna make happen for you what you can't control. Give that to me and stop worrying about it and watch what I do. Watch what I do. Come on, y'all. Two last things and then we're through. If you get some out of this, I'm getting some out of it. He says, I want you to excel also in your love for us. Wow. Y'all listen now. See this girl right here? She put on that green dress this morning. I had a yellow tie picked out. When she put on that green dress, I said, I'm shifting. I wanted to at least match her a little bit. And then when she put on that green dress, she's got beautiful green eyes. I said, Sheila, she was standing in the shadows in our bathroom. I said, I can see your green eyes with that green dress, girl. Mm, mm, mm. Now, let me tell you something. I love her, but listen very carefully because some of you need this revelation. Loving her is not enough. I have to love us. See, I can't change her. I can change me. So if I love us, it'll level me up to change what I need to change. And I'll never make it about what she's not because I love her, 
But watch this. I love us. Now, let me tell you something about our church, Kristen. I love us. I love you. I love Craig. But I love us. I love the possibility of us getting to do life together. By the way, Scarlett, let me just tell you, one of the greatest gifts I've ever received in my life is a player piano. She was moving, and you know what? She gave us this player piano. And I'm t- every day, that thing is playing in my house. I'm singing. Sheila's acting like she's enjoying it. She's like, oh. She walks through the room, and I'm singing all day long. I said, I don't know if you know this. I told her this yesterday. I said, I don't know if you know this, Sheila, but there's always a song in my heart. And now I've got a piano that plays all in my house. And I just picture myself over there. Here's the thing. Listen very carefully now. Don't just love your spouse. Love us. Don't just love this church. Love us. Love us, and it'll keep you from being offended. It'll keep you from getting mad. It'll keep you from getting out of your destiny. It'll keep you from getting sidetracked. If you won't just love the person, but love us. Love the possibility of us. Love us. Come on, y'all. Love us. Let's have a church that loves us. Why? Because if we'll love God, if we'll love ourselves, if we'll love each other, if we'll love us, then the world will see our light and it'll shine so bright that they want what us has. Come on, y'all. Here's the last thing. The last thing, as long as you're gonna be excelling, and by the way, and I'm prophesying over you, excel in everything in 2021. Excel in everything. Everything that you see for your future, excel in it, go for it. Put your faith to it, put your speech to it. Get more knowledge about it. But don't just get more knowledge about it, but watch this. Shift your general concern. Don't be concerned about things that you can't control. Get concerned about what God says is most important. Get the word of God on the inside of you. Spend time with God. Spend time with God's people. Serve alongside of God's people. Get concerned concerned about what God's concerned about, and he'll get more concerned about what you're concerned about. But then also love us. But then he says, don't stop there as long as you're excelling in everything. Also, excel in this grace, this power of God to be a giver. Excel in this grace of giving. Let's be people who are miracle workers and not miracle needers. I wrote this for myself, and I hope this speaks to you. When you choose to be a miracle worker, you'll never be a miracle needer. I have decided I want to be a miracle worker. God, if you'll get it to me, you can get it through me. So God, I want to be a miracle worker. I'm going to give out money like it's a glass of water and not a girl glass. It's going to be, no, listen, don't, don't, I'm not saying anything bad about girls. I love little glasses for little girls. She was a little girl. She needs a little glass. I have these huge mugs at my house that I drink in. So anyway, I want to be a miracle worker. God says, I want you to excel, Keith Craft. Put your name in there. In your faith, the belief that you're taking action on, in your speech. I want you to excel in your knowledge. Oh, this is my dream. You better get some knowledge. I want to make a, Mary D, I want to make millions of dollars in real estate. You better do what your husband says. They're driving along the other day. She just told me this in between services. You turned to her and said, why don't you get your real estate license? And she said, why don't you get your real estate license? 
But guess what? She got a real estate license. She's on her way. You know why? Because whatever dream you got, watch, you have to let, your knowledge is up to you. That's what, people want God to do something for them and they won't do it for themselves. Dr. Barbara, whatever's in your heart, whatever your dream is, that's your knowledge that needs to be increased. But not just that, shift that concern. Don't just love them. Don't just love that. Love us. Love us. Love the dream of us. And then let's spend the rest of our lives being miracle workers. And maybe we'll never need a miracle ever again because God will use us to meet people's needs. Hey, thank you, church. Hey, listen, thank you for this last year. Josh, give me the number. This last year, we paid off how much in medical debt? $7.9 million, because we're gonna be miracle workers. That's what we're gonna do. So if you're a part of this church, this isn't where you flip a nickel. Watch this, this isn't even where you give a million dollars. God could care less how much you give. Listen very carefully what I'm saying. He cares about the order of your giving. A lot of business guys, they wait to the end of the year and they give big. That's not God's way. God's way is for every $10 you make, you give him the first dollar. Well, I'm just not sure if I believe that. You don't have to. But if you want to do it God's way, excel in this grace of giving. Put God first and watch what he does. Not just in your money. That's not the issue. Watch what he does in your life with your health. Watch what he does in your life in your relationships. Watch what he does in your life in the kingdom that has your name on it, the part of the kingdom that has your name on it. Put God first and excel in this grace of giving, amen. God, thank you for your word. We receive it today. And every head is bowed, every eye is closed just for a second. If you're here and you say, Keith, I, my concern today is I'm not right with God. That's a genuine concern. And if that's you and you say, I wanna get my life right with God. Nobody looking around now just for a second. I want to get my life right with God. If that's you, just slip up your hand right now. Just slip it up right now. Just say, I want to get my life right with God. Anybody else, real quick, anybody else? I want to get my life right. Yes, I see your hands. Yes, I see your hands. Put your hands down. Everybody pray this prayer with me. Just say it out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to me today. Thank you for your word that is life to my spirit. I ask you to forgive me for my sins where I've missed the mark. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Help me to be everything you've created me to be, to think, to be, and to do like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God a big hand today? Thank you for your word, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.